Hello everyone, welcome back. We're in 2020, so I would like to say congratulations. You've made it, 2019. I hope it was a very good year for you guys. Uh, for me personally, a lot of development, a lot of uh, interesting things happening. I didn't really want to create another episode about how did it go last year with the podcast or about my plans uh, for this year. I'll just continue recording interesting uh, interviews with my guests, hopefully. That's the plan. So I will just uh, carry on next year and I'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully you will uh, join me in this journey. And uh, today I have a very interesting guest. I really think that it's a very good start of new series in uh, 2020. Uh, we will talk about smiling today. We will talk about emotions and we will talk about how technology supports uh, development of um, human and uh, computer interaction. So hopefully uh, you will learn a bit more about how in future we will interact with each other and how the technology will also drive the emotions of uh, customers, drive business decisions and ultimately make uh, our society happier and uh, just better. Enjoy today's episode and uh, don't forget to leave a comment. Welcome to Venture Poland Podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startup founders, managers and engineers so we can all learn from them. Enjoy today's episode. Bartek, hello. Thank you very much for accepting the invite for our podcast. We're in 2020 now and you're my first guest this year. So congratulations. Thank you for having me. This is a real pleasure and especially to be the first one in this year. So uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to answer the questions. Tell us a bit about yourself first and uh, why smiling is the essence and the driving force of your business life. I'm really curious about that. <laughs> That's a long question that probably would benefit if we chop it down to smaller pieces, but let me try to give you an overall picture. So as you said, my name is Bartosz and I run a company called Quantum CX. It's a company based in uh, Tri City in Poland with main customers in Warsaw. Obviously, uh, our main customers are big companies with some exceptions uh, in the US and the United States. So that's where our target market is. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the future questions. And why I believe that smiling and why it is actually not just believe, but why smiling is a driving force of our business is that I do believe that there's a lot of potential and undiscovered so to speak, power in our emotional states. We like some people, we don't like some people, we make decisions based on emotions that we have in, in our head. And up till today, the whole business world, if you would like, is still thinking that people are rational beings and they are not. Like all the studies shows that showing that we make decisions based on emotions and then actually, you know, a hidden subconscious elephant is driving our lives and smiling is one of the activities that we can do every day every moment and it's for free that can change our emotional state to a better one like 
just because we're going to smile to somebody else or just to ourselves, change the chemical structure of our brain in a second. And in that way, it influences how we think, how we behave, how we act, and thus impact our lives. And if you want to make business out of something, then B2B is uh, probably a good place to start because that's the normal path of any new innovation. Like the big companies start with it and then it suddenly appears in our refrigerators. So that's my way of thinking. Well, brilliant. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, there is a lot of things that we can talk about and a lot of things that we will talk about today in the podcast. But um, I really think and I really admire the whole idea. I genuinely believe as a business development person or an aspiring entrepreneur, let's say, that we are all in customer happiness business. My main goal in any business-related venture or business-related activity is always, you know, customer focus and what can I do or what should I do to make sure that the customer is happy and he will get the results that he needs. So I think that you, with the idea and with your business, you touch on a very important matter that may not be scientifically proven with hundreds of millions of data or something, but I think you're on something. And my main question is, what was the turning point that made you create the idea that, you know, when you started Quantum CX, uh, it is a bit of an extraordinary idea. As I said, I think it really makes sense. So just uh, give us an overview how it started. Okay, so it's over six years, so I'm going to talk a little bit about how we ended up today. So you got the whole picture. And so, so the company was born out of um, love to two different disciplines of uh, science. One is IT and the second is psychology. And my initial idea that I have today was how much goodness or value could be created if we could combine those two great fields. IT and psychology, because psychology has a lot to offer to us, to human beings, how to live a better life and how to conduct business better, and especially how to make customers more happy. And on the other hand, IT has a lot of tools and ways how to introduce something complicated in a very slick and simple fashion. So psychology is something that, you know, it's mainly done on academic environments and in order to actually benefit from it you have to read a lot of studies and big books and all that and you know people are not keen on doing some things on the other hand you have simple apps that you can download on your iphone and do something so i thought okay let's combine those two things and let's get the value from psychology and introduce it to the lives and businesses through technology and we started with B2C products, with B2C applications. One of them was How Are You? How Are You App? And the idea of How Are You App was to actually measure your mood uh, throughout the day. And based on some analysis and AI, uh, the app would tell you what influences your mood, what makes you down, what makes you up, it would allow you to be more you know, conscious and proactive towards your mood, towards the day. And it was something really good. We we have been a number one medical app in Poland, number two in Canada, in Ireland and Israel. So it went really, really up. And then we find out that we made like a few dozens of thousands of dollars in a year. So that was way less than we anticipated. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that was like the first touch with the market. Okay, this is how it how it looks actually. So we will not build a multi-million dollar business on app. And that was six, seven years ago. So keep in mind that everybody those days were thinking like apps are are the way and you have to make an app and app is everything. So so yes and no, it's a good thing if you want to have a lifestyle business for you and few of your co-founders, but it's not something that you're going to build a multi-million dollar business probably. So we went to the US, to the Silicon Valley with How Are You App? And then we showed it to some investors and they say, mm, this is nice, this looks interesting, but what if the app could uh, tell by itself how I feel and I don't have to, you know, do any tests inside. And at the first idea, I thought, well, you know, how's that even possible? How the phone could know how you feel? And then I asked myself a question, how do I know how other people feel in my surroundings? And then came the first Eureka, like, oh, it's on the face. Like I see it, how people feel based on their face. And a few months later, we developed the technology for actually tracking emotions in the face. That was, again, five, six years ago. And then we started thinking how we can commercialize that because we're not going to do an app anymore. And the first idea was, um, and actually ready product was Ellen. And Ellen was a product for testing video content. It allowed companies to actually test content and see how people would feel about the given commercial, for example, or TV series or what have you. And it went good for a couple of months. And then we said, okay, again, this is a very small market and we have to switch uh, to something else. And here comes the first big turning point that we, that we had uh, a few years ago. We actually had a request from a company from the U.S., from Utah. The company is uh, it's a franchise of a quick serve restaurant called Costa Vida. They got over uh, 100 restaurants in the U.S. and Canada, and they asked us if we can use our emotion detection system in customer service in the restaurants to see, you know, how people are satisfied with their service. And I said, okay, why not? Let's let's give it a try. We went there for a couple of weeks, put our technology into in the restaurants, and we observed what happened. And actually, what did is that the customer service went way up, the the revenues went way up, the tips went way up, based on the same principle. Like people got an immediate feedback about their emotional attitude towards the guest, and based on that, they were able to proactively change it throughout the day, throughout the service. So the awareness of how I'm being perceived uh, in customer service make me a way better. It's, it's the same principle if you, for example, go out and run with Endomondo and without. Like the feedback that the apps gives you, like how much did you run, how much further than the last time, increase your performance in that given area and the same was with emotions so that was the first moment that we said okay this really works like people are actually using it in a way that improves the customer service improves the business of the company so that was the first moment that we actually saw a value in measuring emotions and the second one uh, the second turning point was a few years after that when we started the same thing in Poland we had first pilots with big companies here in Poland and Poland is a bit different than the US uh, especially the working environment is a bit different like people are afraid of their bosses and we have this kind of culture 
probably still back from the communist era that, you know, my boss is almost a god. So everything that he's doing is like punishing me or rewarding me. And I'm just a simple paw in the game. So uh, when we started to measure emotions uh, in customer service, people reacted negatively to that. Like they didn't want it to happen. While in the US, nobody actually mattered and said, well, that's cool. <laughs> and in Poland, it was way different. So, so that's where the second epiphany came. And we say, okay, maybe we don't have to measure negative emotions. Maybe if we just stick to what's positive, then it's going to be okay. And actually that happened. Like when we just focus on the smile and say, okay, smile is actually the most important thing that you can have on the face in customer service. That's what drives sales. That's what drives relationships. That's what drives positive emotions. Who cares if somebody was sad that day or angry? You don't know what to do with it anyway. So we focus just on the smile. And from that moment on, we have really good reviews from our users. They really love the idea and it actually drives change in the businesses that we work with. So yeah, that was the second big important factor. And I could not emphasize more on doing a proper customer development widget tool, know what's working and what's not. Like we did over 50 interviews with customer service managers to actually know what is the problem behind poor customer service. And you might think of many different reasons, like, okay, big lines, or you know, people don't know what to do, or not enough of a workforce, but that's all not true. The problem in customer service is that people are not engaged into, into that job. Right? If that's your first job, you're not really you know, engaged into it. You don't want to put extra 5-10% while serving sandwiches. Like, that's a really hard thing to do because you don't treat this job as something that you're going to do for the rest of your life. So you just want to kind of, you know, well, yeah, that's right. So, so our tool and actually smile improves engagement because it's a simple equation. If you smile to me, I like you a little bit more. And if I like you a little bit more, then I'm happy and willing to do a little bit more for you. And this is how actually, you know, human relationships work. So, so by introducing a smile into the equation, you may, we made the employee more engaged and the customer more happy. Brilliant. It's a very, very neat and very specific explanation. I think it really makes sense. And the context of how you've built it, it's obviously something, something that we will hopefully touch on in a moment. I'm really interested in the actual technology and it would be great for us to hear about what consists of the technology as of today. But, you know, looking back, Maybe there is something significant that you have changed, maybe some kind of, you know, um, like a roadmap change or pivot point that you've made together with the team. I'm, I'm really interested in the nuances because I think these are the type of things that for entrepreneurs in uh, tech world, these are, you know, really important. Sometimes the decision is very difficult to be made and maybe, you know, the difficult decision that has been made in your case is going to uh, encourage someone to maybe take that step or something. <laughs> sure. So... The funny thing is that, like, maybe I'm going to start with um, with a tough decision, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the stack we have here in the product. So about the tough decision, like, some time ago, we were deep into developing this emotion recognition technology. So there are a few players on the market that have this kind of technology. 
we are one of them. One of them a few years ago was acquired by Apple. So if you used an emojis in, in iPhone, that's where one of our competition end up, uh, so to speak. So, so their technology had been used to actually develop um, this, this feature in the iOS. And there are few others around the world. And a few years ago, we had to make the decision, are we still going to be technology company that will sub-license its technology to other developers that will build something on top of that? Or are we going to focus on on a niche and market? And that was a tough decision to make because for past, I don't know, four years, we had been te- technological companies. We, uh, company, we had uh, dozens of engineers. We put a lot of money into R&D. All of us, the people that run the company, were really tech savvy. So that was a tough decision because I knew that one day this kind of technology will be commodity. So you could actually, you know buy it on google or amazon or microsoft and you know it's going to be better it's going to be cheaper it's going to be faster sooner or later so we had to make a strategic decision just to focus on application of the technology and not not the technology itself so and that was a good decision and we made it a few years ago and uh, i will encourage uh startups that are trying to develop technology for other to use to focus on a given niche and real business problem and then use that technology for it and not count on being a technology supplier because that's a really tough job and you know microsoft google will do it better than you so that's my opinion but obviously it doesn't apply to all the cases uh so how we build the technology and you know what's what's the stack right now our product consists of many different technology parts so to speak so i'm gonna start right from the sensors and end up in the server. So first of all, we have a sensor that we put on the customer service desk. Either it's a, you know, it's a restaurant, like Subway, where you have a place where you pay for your food, or is it a bank desk, or is it a hotel reception? So we, we put a sensor on the desk. The sensor consists of camera, and a custom-made and designed by us chassis that is printed on 3D printers. So, so you have that. So you have a special uh, custom-made chassis for the camera. Then the camera goes to the mini CPU that is installed somewhere under the desk. And the CPU has our software for actually processing the image from the cameras in real time. So uh, the challenge here was that we we cannot save the image because that would be not GDPR compliant. We cannot store images of customers because that's private data. So in order to not do that, we had to run our technology in real time and fetch the smiles in real time using our algorithm. So you have the whole technology, which we call Quantum Sense, and it's installed on the mini CPUs, and it's able to run in real time with multiple cameras having still around 10 frames per second. So, so that's really impressive. And that's where actually the bulk of our IP lies, because the algorithms, uh, you know, a lot of people say to us, like, okay, detecting smile is really easy. Like, you know, people have done this, you know, 10 years ago, and you can just download it for free on the web. Sure you can, but there's a tons of problems that you're going to run into that we had to solve in order for this solution to work. Uh, One example would be real life situation. We have a bank and um, behind where normally a guest sits in front of the desk, there's a poster with a happy family. And every time that the guest leaves, 
the software catches the face on the poster, which is smiling all the time. So <laughs> one of our users had like 100% of customer satisfaction score. And we find out, okay, this is strange. And when we investigate it, we find out that, the, oh, okay, we're, we're catching the face from the poster. That's why it's, you know, smiling all the time. So we had to develop special algorithms that will detect if the object is alive and then um, use it in order to filter out things like that. And that's just one of many different problems that we actually had with this technology, not including optimization, not including things like lightning throughout the day. Let's imagine you have a midday summer in Poland and you have a strong sun in the back of the customer and you you know how camera behaves when there's a strong lightning be behind you. So we had to omit that kind of problems as well. So, so many different things, uh, many different problems that had to be solved. That's why it's really good that we had our own build technology for that, our own algorithms that we could tweak and, and fix based on the challenges that we, that we, that we encountered throughout the pilot, every test. And after the image is processed on the mini CPU, it goes to the server through VPN, which has to be secure enough. And then there's whole analysis and application that actually allows our users, that is the employees in the customer service, to actually build a habit of smiling and engaging with the customer service. So, so there's a lot of things from 3D printing to AI to psychology developed in in the app so, so a lot this is very interesting actually i was thinking about it before we started the recording and i don't know maybe you have this in your roadmap for r&d but i would imagine that you could potentially use you know the mobile phone of that specific person who is using your app instead of a let's say a server and a and a camera maybe maybe the mobile phone could do that instead i don't know what's what's your view on that that's a good question. Like that was that was our initial thought as well. So actually, we began with um, CCTV cameras because they are like in every restaurant, hotel, bank, what have you. Oh, and the problems that we run with that is just you know in, indefinite list of problems. Quickly, we found out that it's way better to have an independent infrastructure that doesn't require any integration because integration means IT. And IT incorporations means revenue prevention. <laughs> so anything like integration is just a you know big blockade. So we thought, okay, we're gonna we're gonna use our own equipment, our own infrastructure. It's gonna be way cheaper and faster that way, and customers really appreciate that because it doesn't add up anything to their time. You can charge them for it, they have money, but they don't have time. And we're saving a lot of time, especially of IT or any other integration. And that's actually a big benefit of our solution. To the point that one of our customers is a telecom company, and we're using their service in order to provide independent internet to their points, just to use their product. So, so imagine how they have to value that, that they don't want to use their own internet, that they're using our internet, which we purchased from them in order to deliver internet to their point for our solution. So it's independent 
from their infrastructure. So yeah, actually, it, there's a big benefit of having and owning the infrastructure and not adding any fuss to the to the installation as it is. Oh, I see, I see. All right, I've seen your video on the website on YouTube, I think, and you said that you've tried many ideas, some of them failed. Can you give us some more examples on what has failed? I'm really interested in that. Some of our products and some of our projects had some share of success. One of them is How Are You, which I uh, talked a little bit before. Uh, the funny thing about it is that a few months ago, a gentleman from the US reached out. Uh, I think he was the last user of the app, which had been taken down like a few years ago, and he was still using it on some old Android which uh, finally, which finally died, and he wanted, you know, some source code so he can still use the app because it actually was saving his life because he was bipolar, and he really loved the app and it helped him a lot with, you know, coping with his disease, so to speak, mental illness. And actually, he invested bringing up to speed to the market with his own money and time because he loved it so much. So for me, that's the success, actually. It didn't bring a lot of money, but it's going to be on the market in a few weeks. So I'm really happy to see that someone was so in love with the product that he actually wants to bring it back from the app graveyard. So that's a, that's a small success. The other product, Allen, we sold to the company in the UK for uh, testing video commercials uh, for a small amount of money, but that was a small exit and we were happy to see that someone someone is still using and uh, see a value in the product that we made and want to uh, keep it going. Uh, as for the failures, the funny thing, the funny product that we had, it's an interesting story. When we started to develop technology for facial recognition, we had an idea to do a mobile demo. So we thought, okay, let's have a mobile demo of the technology so we can show it on the mobile phone, actually get someone's emotions from the face using his mobile. And we, we had this, we coined this idea of an app, which was called Express App, from the term expressing myself. And it was actually like an Instagram where you took a photo of the thing in front of you, let's say a nice meal that you just got, and your face that expressed the emotion about how you feel about the object in front of you. So you would do two photos and the app would be able to detect what kind of emotions you're trying to express. So let's see, I'm happy about the hot stew I have on my table. And you could share that on your wall and you could have friends and all those social things that every social app would have. And actually that went really, really, <laughs> that went really, really well. And after a few weeks, we had a couple of thousands of users and we didn't know what to do about it because we didn't, definitely didn't want to be a social media company. And that was just about, you know, the idea behind that was just a proof of concept of the technology and maybe get some data but we didn't want to run a social media company. So we had to shut down the project because th there was no idea for monetization and we didn't have ambitions to become Instagram or Snapchat or what have you. Definitely not, not starting it from Poland. So, so that was a failure, maybe a success in some way because it went really popular. And after a few thousands of users and seeing the bills on the server, we said, okay, this is not going anywhere. It's a blind spot. Let's shut it down. But that was really a fun project. Actually, like Quantum Welcome. So that, that was the project that we initially started in customer service in Poland. The difference between what we have now and then is that we 
measured negative emotions as well. So, uh, like I said, like initially our users didn't like the idea of having negative emotions tracked as well. So we had to rethink the whole idea. Then we focused on the just the smiles. So, so I would say it was a little bit of of a failure, but from which we learned a lot. So, so a lot of different turn points. Some of them ended up with moderate success some of them didn't but all of them lead to the point that we are right now i think so it's way longer than we anticipated but yeah nobody said it's going to be simple and easy you know you know what i think you're really onto something i genuinely believe that you are onto a mission not only when it comes to the business standpoint but just listening to you and listening to the ideas and what you've done with the company and with your team over the years the traction it seems like it comes natural from the customers and from people who deal with you guys so so well congratulations on that i think it's really great i'm really curious uh, to hear your say ceo's summary after such a long time Obviously, you know, you said about what you've done, what was good, but maybe something practical from just operational standpoint. I don't know. Maybe just uh, share some ideas and uh, comments on your personal journey as a business owner. So there are definitely a few tips I can share, especially for, you know, startup. I'm not sure how much it's going to be applicable to classic business, if you will. First of all, is what I did find out is the market is most important. The market that you're operating in actually drives everything else. You can have amazing product, amazing team, and in the small market, that's not going to work. So, so example here was the content testing solution or how are you app. So they're both great products. Uh, they won a lot of rewards, had the best clients. But you know, content testing in Poland is 20 million. Even if you get half of it, you're not going to make a big business. But on the other hand, if your market is, let's say, you know, $10 billion, it's going to suck out the solution from you. You can have poor team, you can have poor product, you're going to make it good because, you know, people are knocking to your door and trying to give you your money for solving a problem because there's just so much of those people that have this kind of problem. So... I would say to every startup that, you know, is starting, stop, take a breath and rethink the market that you're in. If it's a small market, then maybe rethink your strategy because, you know, small markets don't have a lot to offer to you. And when there's a lot, and we did find out that in the customer service, that's a big market. Customer service is huge. You have restaurants, you have hotels, you have banking, you have, you know, shops, you have all the chains, you have pharmacists, you have, you know, car dealerships. Every of those businesses is based on the relationship that you make face to face. And that's a huge market. And we see that, you know, people, for instance, today for a pilot, we charge more than we had a two-year agreement with the client with the previous product. So that shows you, like, you know, where's the difference? Just people are able to spend more when there's a big problem and big market. So, yeah, rethink your market. If it's big enough, go for the bigger market. Because everybody is trying to focus on the product. Like the product has to be perfect. product has to be the best. And in my opinion, that's not the recipe. Like, the product comes last. You have to find a good problem in the big market the second thing is the team and everybody and i would say that as for the team it has to be really well complementing each other 
don't find somebody that thinks like you or is like you. Find people that complement you in the things that you are uh, lousy and do your job when you're good and don't find people that are good at the things that you are. So everybody is trying to get, you know, the best talents, the best resumes. And I would say, don't look for that. Don't look for talents. Look for people that complement you. If, for example, you are like me, very fast moving, making fast decisions, but not really taking a lot of consideration for the risk, then find someone that is, you know, thinking about the risks and takes more time to make decisions. And this is how you complement each other. If you're, for example, good at communication with other people, great. Then find introverts that is great at developing a product and don't want to speak with anybody else. Don't force him to. That's his strength and not weakness. So so that's my like my biggest discovery in terms of managing team and being a leader is that don't look for talents look for people that complement each other and put them in the right roles and, and and that's my second practical advice brilliant brilliant thanks for that i really think that the second one you said it's it's something that quite often gets maybe not even mismanaged but it is very often really poorly understood by the management or general management in companies. I think uh, maybe in big companies, you know, HR departments, they do certain things to understand the personalities of the team and maybe to match them with the other teammates or something. I don't know. I've never worked for a corporation, but even for my business, what we do when we hire people, we try to understand their personality as well and try to understand what they're best at to make sure that they're not going to you know, suffocate in the specific role that it's going to be given to them because otherwise it's just pointless. So yeah, and it will end up in burnout sooner or later because they just do things that they don't like. So exactly. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for that. I can add a tip for that. Uh, I recently find out online test, which is really good cost, uh, I think around $100. It's called wealth dynamics. And actually, if you if you do the test, it, it shows you the things that you're good at and the people that you should surround yourself to complement your weak spots. So I would highly recommend that everybody would stop what they're doing right now and just run and do the test. We done it with most of the people in the company and, and we changed so many things like from that moment on to make people more happy with what they do and remove the things that they don't actually like. And often they don't even know that they don't like those things. Right? Just you have to show them like, okay, maybe this is not the thing that you're really enjoying. And, you know, the other person would say, but, you know, this is so obvious that the project manager should do that. Yeah, maybe not you. Maybe, you know, a different personality of a project manager would do that. But maybe you should delegate that to somebody else and focus on that, which which are you really great at. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes people get frustrated and they don't even know why, you know, certain things happen. And then suddenly when you start discovering those things, you know, you realize that maybe you're not in the correct uh, position for that specific job. Like, you know, there is a lot of motion around being agile and uh, running small teams in an agile way with Scrum or similar approaches. And 
you know, you need to be agile, but you need to understand the framework. Maybe you are not a personality that will be able to work in such framework, you know. So it's really difficult, I think, to start the discussion. But as soon as you start the discussion and find together with your colleagues and teammates what works and what doesn't work for you, then everyone benefits from that. Yeah, that's why profiling tests online are really good because they're objective like it's not boss coming to employees saying oh you know you're bad at this and good at that it's really good when someone does the test online on its own because you know it's objective and it's hard to argue with and often it's like oh okay i'm now i know why i suck at this because you know that's not my personality so highly recommend doing some profiling tests online for the team members Let's go back to some more technical or business-oriented questions. When it comes to the company, I didn't think about this question before we started, actually, but I'm really curious. What about financing for for the business? Have you ever gathered any rounds or was this all bootstrapped? So we got few investors on board. Then we have been able to acquire a few grants for developing the technology. So yeah, financing is is something really important and keeps the business going until you're going to get to the break-even point. So yeah, bread and butter. I would recommend as soon as you're going to get some market fit and know that your product has you know value and people want to buy it, go for financing and move forward because if you have to worry about paying salaries every month then you're not focusing on your product and market and it's it's really bothersome so so uh we started uh, from the beginning with the venture money and, and then some grant money which had already helped us to move along the way and so to speak even buy some time until you're going to actually discover what's important and you know how your product should be structured in order for it to make a value because it takes time when you do something innovative you, you don't know what you have to do you have to try and fail or try and fail this is how innovation is born so you have to have time for that and and that's where the venture money comes in if you want to start you know a software house you don't need the venture money you know you know what's the recipe out there it's 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 simple you get a client you get developers you charge per hour or fixed price and there you have your business model but if you're developing something for the first time it's not going to be so easy it's going to take your time and you have to eat and you know do all other things in the meantime so money is really important in that case uh, what would you say about the actual difficulty in gathering money from uh, venture capital? Because I have this feeling, I mean, discussing the same topic with both startups and with funding entities, let's say, it seems to me like it's not that difficult and maybe people are a bit demonizing the whole process. So I would be really glad to hear your opinion about that. Problem starts when you have a stupid idea. <laughs> That's when... I think that's why people are just blaming like the bad VCs or institutions that want to give them money for their stupid idea, <laughs> to be honest and, and frank. If you have something that has any market validation, people will throw money at you. If you can show, okay, this is something that can be big and actually some people put some money on the table for it. Obviously, it is a process and often, you know, there's a negotiations and deal signing and it takes a lot of time and you have to give away something, part of control of your company or what have you. But still, it's simple if you can convince someone that your idea can make money. If not, 
don't expect that someone will discover your hidden genius if you cannot actually, you know, do it on your own. And I would look at it even that they're making you a favor because giving you money is one thing, but spending your lifetime on a stupid idea is second thing. And maybe look at it, if VCs don't want to give you money, then probably you have a stupid idea. So maybe rethink that and don't waste your life on chasing something that it's not worthwhile. But said that, don't ever surrender, just you know, regroup, <laughs> recalibrate and, and start again with a different idea. The same was with quantum. We had like, you know, on our way up to the today's point, we had, you know, five or six different projects, ideas that went into our wall. And the second thing is, especially in the early stage, people are investing into you, not exactly your idea. And that was the case with us. We got some investment money, even without the product. We were lucky, but the investors invested into the team and um, into us. And they saw, okay, those guys are up to something. I'm not sure if this idea is going to be the big hit, but I'm sure they're going to do something in the time given. So try to convince them to you as a human being and somebody that is trustworthy and will you know, work his ass off in order to build this company. And secondly is provide as much as possible of market validation and traction. If you cannot do that, then probably you don't have something that's going to work in the long term. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I really think that's very valuable. Okay. I have a very interesting question as well from my own perspective. I think it's going to be interesting for startups as well. I've read about your fintech program with largest C bank, which is Pekao Bepe, Polish bank. I'm really interested in how you deal with the big companies in such environment like fintech. I think people are also a bit scared to even approach a bank, even, you know, to do some pilots or early discussions, but you've done it. So I'm interested in your opinion. So I think you can write a book about that topic. And actually, one of my colleagues, friends, uh, Wojciech Drewczynski, wrote a book about cooperation from the startup with the corporation. I didn't read it, but uh, I heard it's really good. So if somebody wants to have a deep dive in the topic, I would recommend that. But from my experience, uh, it mainly depends on the people that you work with, like always. And if you run into good people, honest people, and you know people that you have a vibe with, things will go nice and easy and that was the case with Becca Obepe which had really good people on board really engaged into the projects they they really uh, picked up the idea of sharing smile and kindness really fast and they treat us as a partner the, the downside is that at the end of that there's always this big corporation somewhere behind that nobody knows how it works. And even if those people have the best intentions, some things are just not possible and not uh, up to them. So working with a corporation, with a big bank, with a big company is always a risk because, you know, you can make a great job, you can deliver a superb product, increase their sales by two times. You can end up with a no decision after a year because... Something's changed in a different department. You have to keep that into account. I'm not saying that this is what happened to us, but there were a few almost like these situations. So I would say go for it. Definitely big companies have big budgets. They have time. They have resources to work just with you as a startup. While, you know, medium companies, there's a guy that runs 
your projects and doing sales and working on the product and he doesn't have more than 15 minutes for you a week while in corporation there's a whole department just for you so that's a big plus obviously the big players have to innovate so they have a bigger need to do something actually and then they have time for it while you know medium and small players they they're so busy with their uh, everyday business that they maybe are not ready to innovate so depending on what you do my strategy is to go to the biggest players on the market that's why i'm working with peco now with uh, telecoms and a uh, few other bigger player on the market my target list is top 20 companies in poland so that's where i pick up my clients because they have resources and time they are hard to work with because of the things i mentioned but i would say it's worthwhile but you have to diversify don't just count on working with that one corporation you have to have few in your portfolio because if one of them say no and it might not have anything to do with your product then you're not dead at the end of that. So, so keep that in mind. Okay, I think we're almost closing the podcast today. But before I ask one last question, I would like to have a bit of a comment here because it seems to me like you're very pragmatic in what you do, but also in the same time, just because you do good things, and I mean, not only developing good product, but also good things as an intention, okay? Things really line up for you guys. So I'm really, you know, keeping my fingers crossed for you. And I would really like to see how the company develops. And on that note, I would like to ask about some current struggles, okay? So you as a team, you have a product, you've got your customers, you do your pilots, you're trying to aim for biggest companies in Poland to help them, you know, make sure that the customer facing people are getting the most of the business and you know generating better relationship with the customers so what are the current struggles for you guys as a team is it maybe difficulties in uh, managing the technology or maybe something more fundamental like you know bad office coffee or something that's a really good question and i think every startup has an answer to that currently we have i would say two struggles one of them is more pragmatic and down to earth and, and second one is more aloof so to speak so i'm going to start with the second one and i would say after six or seven years of doing it you're really hungry for success and often you can not even see it when it happens and this is what a few months ago happened to us it has been like seven years hard work you know failure after failure and there's just this like come on when it's gonna happen when it's gonna lift off when you know something's big gonna happen so it's really hard after a few years to manage the passion and the drive and still you know get up uh, from the bed and do the things that you have to do in order to be successful so i would call it impatience we're managing it now because first of all we see some successes secondly uh, we talk about that openly and say okay okay we see this as a problem as a business problem even how we can keep up the motivation towards the thing that we know have to work somewhere sooner or later just you know how to manage to to be able still to get to that moment and not run out out of the fuel Till we get there so practicing patience actually that's the one struggle that we have but i think we're over it but it combines with the second uh, which is obviously like probably most of the startup is money because we soon we're gonna run into 
end of funds. We did close a financing round just in the December, but that financing round is based on a business KPI that we have to deliver, and that KPI is not really up to us. So it's something that we can just hold our breath and buy some popcorn and wait and watch if it happens or not. <laughs> we did all, all the best we could so far, and now we have to wait. And that waiting without knowing if it's going to happen or not, if you know the whole investment and a big deal will came to a success or a failure is really stressful. And um, that's what we're struggling with right now, uncertainty. Because we did all we could and we did really good and we have really good perspectives. But, you know, now it's time and waiting and looking is really hard if you cannot do anything else. It's like being stuck in the traffic and not knowing what happened, but you want to do something, push the cars even, but you can't. You just have to wait and sit and you don't know how long it's going to take. So this is the tough situation we're in. But. Like we know that, you know, there's always something, if not this, then, you know, problem with employees, if not problem with employees, then there's problem with the product or, you know, there's always some minor crisis just lurking behind the corner for you. So we kind of get used to them. Okay. I think what you said about patience is quite important. I mean, I think about myself as well as an, you know, impatient person maybe sometimes. And the topic, the idea of being patient in general in life comes quite often to me. So maybe it's a very good summary for the podcast for today. I really admire what you do. I really hope that you guys will push through it and all the good that you've done so far will come back to you and you will get the next financing and you will be able to pursue next ventures and hopefully develop the product to a better better solution for all of us because in the end we are the customers as well in those big companies so thank you very much Bartek for your time it was a pleasure thank you thank you have a good day bye bye